Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, welcome back to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I am joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Al. Hey y'all. Before we get started, I want to give a quick addendum to our last episode on pronouns, which is to say since we've recorded that, something that I've learned about is the large portion of people who just don't want to be referred to by any pronouns We touched on not using pronouns in an effort to support people who are currently experiencing distress around pronouns, but I just also wanted to add that some people may never want pronouns, and like, that's also chill, so knowing how to grammatically not use pronouns for a person is very beneficial and something that's fun to practice. So, that was just an addendum I wanted to give. Yeah, I think that we also didn't really touch on neo-pronouns. In the last episode, we talked a lot about they, them, and like you said, not assuming that everybody even uses pronouns. But the only reason we didn't touch on neo-pronouns is because they're not super relevant in our household. Neither of us use neo-pronouns. We still very much um, appreciate the validity of neo-pronouns as a concept. They are very important to a lot of people, and you should respect neo-pronouns just like you respect any other pronouns. Yep. And a and an additional addendum on that. Oh boy, this is addendum is getting long, y'all. Um, but an additional note on that is that this is why you should stay away from using like he series. Like if you use he him his, type out he him his wherever it is that you're declaring that. Because if somebody uses say um, zizem zer, people might not know how to conjugate it. So that individual can't say I use the z series because people won't know what that is and how to conjugate it so type out he slash she i'm sorry he slash his slash him it doesn't take that much more space than like he series and it's even more inclusive yeah i think the only quaternary addendum i think the only (laughs) exception to that that i have heard is that if you use multiple uh, pronoun sets yeah that's true you can say like she slash they and that is acceptable Totally acceptable. I mean, as always, it's just up to what makes sense for you. But I'm just talking to people who have a very set, singular set Mm -hmm. of pronouns, especially if it is she or he series, because everybody does know what the what how to conjugate those. And typing out the conjugations is still helpful to make space for other people. Yes. That's all. Okay. Very, very long addendum. Very long addendum. Very important addendum. You know, we, we want to make sure that we're making space. We'll in... probably loop back to another episode on pronouns. Not going to lie. Pronouns are a big conversation, but it's cool. They really are. They really, truly are. But it, it did feel important to make space at the beginning of this one to acknowledge that there were some just like like minor lapses in last week's. Mm-hmm. just want to make sure everybody listening feels... Fully included. Fully included. Fully accounted for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. What are we talking about this week? 
I believe this week we were going to touch on gender expansiveness in the workplace. Was that what we decided on? Yes, 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 yes. It's a phenomenal topic. It is an interesting, interesting topic. Do we want to start with a little bit about my story? Do we want to talk about your sort of situation in your workplace? Let's talk about your story because your story has a nice beginning, middle, and end. Mine is still ongoing. That's true. So my story, I guess, kind of starts when I first came out. I came out right at the end of college. And that meant that around the time that I was first coming out and first, like, just barely beginning my transition, I was not yet on hormones. Um, I had just barely gotten people to start calling me by Josie, as discussed in the last episode. You were in the, you were in the beginning stages of your social transition. Yeah. But I was also graduating college, and so I needed to find a job and, you know, become a contributing member to society, unlike I am now. And while I was doing that, you know, I have yet to get any sort of legal name change. And I wasn't sure how I wanted to, like, present myself. I I felt very uncomfortable with the idea of just, like, putting my real name on my resumes and, like, kind of being open about the fact that I was trans, because... At the time, I was very paranoid about the idea of, like, either people, well, mostly the idea of people not hiring me or just, like, not even bothering to interview me because I was trans. And also just, like, even if they did try to interview me, like, the thought of being misgendered. And non-zero part, the the fact that I didn't have any interview clothing that aligned with my gender, I only owned suits. So I made the decision to apply to jobs under my dead name and kind of go stealth, you know, pretend to be a dude and means Isn't that the opposite of what stealth means? I don't think so. I thought stealth meant, wait, no, maybe you're right. I feel like stealth means you're not, you're hiding the fact that you're trans in your current and your real identity. What's the other, what's the word for, I don't know what the word that is for the other way, because it's, I mean, I just, closeted, I guess. I think it's closeted. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's the exact opposite of self. I mean, I see, you're still hiding the fact that you're trans, you're just doing it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, not the point. Right, and so, so I ended up doing that, but I also kind of resolved that I wanted to, um... I wanted to be out at my next job. So there's kind of like a little bit of a dissonance there where I didn't want to apply to jobs being trans, but I also did not want to not be out at my next job. Y'all, anxiety is hell of a drug. You can do really illogical things like this. Okay, here was my logic. Transgender people are protected under anti-discrimination laws in Massachusetts, which meant that if they offered me employment and then I told them I was trans and then they rescinded employment, I could sue them. So that was my whole logic. (laughs) A good old bait and switch on the gender identity. (laughs) Yeah, basically. And so I got an interview at a really cool institute that I did end up working at, but during the interview, because I didn't want to work at a place that wasn't going to be queer friendly, I said, so I identify as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, and I just really want to be able to bring my whole self to work is that going to be like is that going to be a problem in this uh workspace is that something that like you guys support here and the guy who was interviewing me said i mean i like to think so i'm gay and i was like okay that works for me so the interview went really well i got offered employment after i signed all the contracts (laughs) 
<laughs> I came out to the the recruiter who had contacted me about the job. And she was like, oh my god, you should have told me. Then I could have been using your correct name and pronouns this whole time. And I was like, yeah. The proper response. Good job. Good job to that person. Yeah, no, she she was actually really lovely and, and nice. And she passed that along to the employer as like, I, I asked her to do that. <laughs> what? <laughs> Y'all, we're going to go farther into depth on this. So don't mind me making so much fun of my love here, but I love the energy of like, so I'm not going to tell you that I'm trans until you hire me. And then I'm still not going to tell you I'm trans. I'm going to have somebody else do it for me. Mom, will you tell my boss I'm trans? (laughs) I just, okay. So no, no actual shame to any people listening who have done similar things. Only shame to Josie. Because like, I, I just, you know, you can make fun of the people you love. Yes. Survival is important. We have to do things to feel safe. And I will make fun of jokes. <laughs> so the Institute was really lovely about it. They ended up rearranging all of my identification stuff. And I'm fairly certain they had like an equity meeting before I arrived to talk about having a gender expansive person on staff. Interesting. Yeah, because there weren't that. I mean, there were four other trans and or non-binary people at the Institute and I don't think any of them worked on the same floor as me and none of them worked on my team that I was going to be joining. So like they had like a, they had like a training or maybe even just like an informal email meeting of like, Hey, everybody be cool to this person who is coming, who is trans. Here's a couple definitions even can be super helpful in that sense. I feel like I've run trainings that are literally like not necessarily equity trainings, but I'm just like, y'all. Here's literally what transgender means. Good job. Now we all can be a little bit more woke. Go about your lives. Some people still need that, yo. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, part of it, I think part of the reason they, they did that was because most of the team had met me during my interview. Like it was a very small team that I was joining. And like, I think two thirds of the team had interviewed me. And so they had all seen me in a suit. I was wearing makeup, but I was in a suit. <laughs> You were sending so many messages, and I'm here for it. I was wearing makeup. I had, like, foundation on, and I, like, maybe put a little bit of mascara on to make me feel pretty, but, like... I love you so much, and I know how you used to wear mascara and foundation, and I'm sure they knew. (laughs) Okay, look. (laughs) But when I arrived, everybody on the team was briefed on my real name and my real pronouns. There were only, actually, really very few times when anybody misgendered me. And so I worked there for about a little under two years, um, and they were all, for the most part, very respectful, although I did, I didn't really catch any active transphobia. Like, no one ever was like, I don't think you are your gender. But there was a lot of, like, cis people who had never met a trans person before, I got a lot of questions and I remember the first couple months of it because my gender identity was still new to me. I was super excited about it and I was like, yes, I'm going to tell you everything about being trans because it is my experience and I need to share it. And then after like a month of that, I was like, okay, this is actually getting really old. Um, Stop asking me questions about my gender. So I guess in summary, the process for applying for a job Early in your transition, when you maybe feel the need to identify yourself incorrectly for your own safety, I still think that that provided me with a lot of comfort in that moment. I think that it was kind of necessary for me to go into situations without being scared that 
they were writing me off out of hand or that things were going to be problematic just because I had upfront identified my gender identity. But on the flip side, there is a lot of distress that goes into trying to make yourself look good for an interview and putting on clothing that just doesn't match, like like having to endure dysphoria during an interview process. That is itself a challenge. So it really does kind of depend on what you personally feel comfortable with. And I mean, I think that there's something to be said that like, if you are gender expansive, you probably ideally don't want to work for a company that wouldn't accept you. But there's a lot of privilege that goes into being able to be choosy about that. Mm-hmm. But there's like, there's definitely ways to get a vibe. I mean, I think that one thing that maybe I would have done to change it would have been during the initial phone screen interview that I had with the Institute. I would have maybe asked them the LGBTQ question on the phone mm-hmm. so that I could not necessarily even come out, but I could just get a vibe as to how safe I would be in that space, like how respectful they would be of general queer identities in that space that could have possibly given me a little bit more comfort when I was in that situation maybe given me a little more freedom to have like worn a more full face of makeup even if I didn't have anything besides a suit to interview in maybe like wear my suit in a way that was a little more femme I don't know I would have done that but like I know I'm just I'm I'm laughing at wearing a suit to an interview at this point I just can't fathom interviewing for somebody that required me to wear formal clothes anymore I'd be like what? <laughs> yeah. True. I don't wear formal clothes. You take me in my joggers and my baggy sweaters or you don't take me at all. <laughs> yeah, I remember too because it, it's wild. Science, you don't actually, there's no dress code in science. But the first couple of weeks that I was there, I tried to dress nice because I was meeting like actual cancer researchers who are like renowned in their field. So I was supposed to, I wanted to look kind of nice. And I went to Target and bought like all of these blouses that I like, of course, I threw them all away. They were ugly, but they were just like button-ups. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Even when I was in science, I definitely never dressed up for interviews. Yeah. I mean, you don't really have to. It just... You definitely don't have to. If you have anxiety, it might tell you that you need to. And that it doesn't hurt you, but you definitely don't have yeah. to. Yeah. So I guess final actual summary. It does depend on what you're comfortable with, but... There are workplaces that will accept your gender expansiveness. Right. I think that that is an important takeaway because I think that when I was interviewing, it felt like I was never going to be able to find a place like that. And there are places that that aren't even just like begrudgingly accepting of your gender identity, but they will actively try to make space for you. And like... I I feel like we hear so much in like queer spaces about actively discriminatory practices because it's important to talk about actively discriminatory practices because they are bad but then we only ever hear those super negative stories and it it skews your idea of how it actually goes to be a gender expansive person in the workplace because all you ever hear are people who are having really terrible experiences and again we should keep hearing that because those shouldn't happen at all and there are real paths to having at least positive side of neutral experiences and what I'm going to talk about, which is like a very actively positive experience. Right. Yeah. So that's a very good point. It's not all doom and gloom. Mm -mm. A lot of the world only portrays the doom and gloom parts of being queer. And I want to, again, name that like 
that's because the doom and gloom is really freaking bad. Yes, and it's like, very important. It's super important, and we should continue to show that to the media because we don't want to tell, we don't want to tell the outside of the queer space people that actually queer spaces exist and are positive because then they might think that oh everything's done. We don't need to like fund anything else or like give any more laws and like continue to support queer people. And the queer community still needs so much support, so we have to like amplify the negative stories so that people outside of our community see that need mm-hmm. and like that's super valid it sucks that that's the only way that people want to help us but here we are in this world yeah. so and this is a internal queer space this podcast and right. so in this internal queer space we can tell you there are lovely people in this world who really do just want to treat you equitably yeah and whole workplaces that fall under that category even if they're like Josie's experience that's a little bit more like we're not exactly sure how to do this but like whatever you say like we're there like we're trying we are actively out here trying to be better even if we're coming from a pretty like low bar yeah we don't know what that looks like we don't know what that means (laughs) yeah and then on the flip side my experience I actually came into a workplace that was more woke about gender than I probably was at times yeah maybe maybe i mean i think that importantly your workplace is actively equity focused right now. yeah that's true so what i do for work is honestly just again a little bit more complicated we do a lot of things mm-hmm. um at my workplace but i work for an americorps program and in saying that i'm also going to say that like everything in this podcast and all episodes of this podcast are my ideas and not reflective of my organization which is something i am required to say for our dear dear lawyer team <laughs> to not be mad at me <laughs> it's in my instagram bio too y'all like it's everywhere anyway so i work for an americorps organization that works specifically with public schools who do not have the access to amenities that they need to allow their students to succeed What that looks like for me this year is I lead a team of young people age, like in their early 20s approximately, in supporting classrooms currently virtually. Oh boy, it's a fun time to work in education, y'all. Let me tell you. So I don't work directly with students this year. I work with a team of people who work with students and I lead them through how to best support their students. Mm -hmm. As a general overview of what my work looks like. Yeah. When I came to this organization last fall, I knew I was gender fluid. I always forget that I knew I was gender fluid when I came to this workplace. I sometimes called it non-binary just because I really had like literally zero ability to stand up for myself and my gender identity yet, especially because I didn't experience any negative connotations related to my gender. Oh boy, those have come more recently. They suck. Don't like it. Not, not a fan. Yeah. But I used to never have any like negative interactions with my gender because gender fluidity encompasses my assigned gender. So I just felt like woman plus in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So nothing ever felt hurtful to me. I never, I still never feel quote unquote misgendered. And so I was like, I know that this is a part of myself, but I never really thought about how I'd bring it to work. I know that I binded the first couple of days and wore like really cool kid, non-binary-esque aesthetics. And like, I was Mm -hmm. really into that. So I was like, I wasn't not trying to be visible, but I also wasn't asking anybody to see me as non-binary or any sort of gender expansive. I was just being like a cool queer kid, which Mm -hmm. I already have access to that because I'm also in a gay relationship. So like I wasn't really asking for anything outside of like that queer aesthetic. 
And I was comfortable with that. And it never really occurred to me because I still went by she, her. And I don't know. I just hadn't allowed myself to really think about the fact that I identified as something other than woman and other than cis. So I just didn't ever think about needing to do that at work. Right. And as Josie mentioned, my work is centered around equity, predominantly racial equity, and then secondarily, like class equity with the education system and, of course, educational equity. But because of that, we do all equity. We do a lot of identity work for our volunteers. We do a lot of helping people understand their own identities in order to help them understand how to be equitable to other people's identities. Because I think if you haven't dug into your own identities, it's really hard to understand the experiences other people have based on their oppressed identities. Mm We do things called equity summits, where we have full days where we do nothing but training on equity. We talk about a lot of things around equity, and they're phenomenal. They're one of my favorite parts of my job. And during one of those, we had like this activity called a fishbowl. It's like a reflection activity that you aren't supposed to have any responses. So you're just free to say whatever you want because nobody gets to respond in any way, shape, or form. And so what this looked like was about 120 people who I've known for maybe three weeks at this point. So I barely knew these people, but we had two of these equity summits. And this was at the end of our second equity summit. And like talking about your identity and talking about isms and talking about these things are so um, vulnerable. And it creates these bonds where you're able to like really connect with people. And our staff had modeled all of this vulnerability. I mean, we had a staff member talk about her suicide attempt with us and she had only known us for like two weeks at that point people are talking about real things and like it invited us as volunteers to do the same and so in this space with like 120 people who I barely knew unable to respond because again that was the point of the activity I like went up and I was like so y'all I don't even remember if I said gender fluid or non-binary but I came out to these people and I just can't emphasize enough how big of a deal this was because at this point, the only person who knew I was even thinking through this sort of thing was Josie. Yeah. Like, literally, no, I've not told anybody ever. And it was wild. And mm-hmm. then everybody started asking me for my pronouns. And I was like, y'all, I don't, I right. don't know. As we mentioned last time, <laughs> right. that was not uh, something that you'd thought of. Right. It was just, I was like, I'll take any pronouns, whatever. It's not the point. But so that all just goes to illustrate that, like, I work in a place where, like, People are not only willing to follow you and support you in the ways that you ask for, but people go out of their way to model vulnerability, to model bringing your full self to work is something that we actively think about a lot. How can we allow people to bring their full self, both positive and negative, to work? And while, again, it's largely focused on racial equity, we talk about racism quite a bit, as we should. When you start modeling talking about experiences with racism and experiences with privilege of various types, it starts being easier to talk about gender identity and easier to talk about other oppressed identities. And because of that, I was able to come out to this group of people. And now since then, because I felt comfortable coming out because other people were talking about their experiences with oppression and their experiences with their own identities I was able to talk about my identity and now I've become like the main source of genderqueer leadership in the site because there isn't there wasn't a ton of leadership there wasn't a ton of representation Mm -hmm. but because there was such an emphasis on sharing your full self I was able to become that 
representation very easily. Right. And without needing to teach anybody anything. Nobody ever asked me weird questions. I mean, they all asked me for my pronouns when I came out as genderqueer, which is a very valid thing to do, but they were all chill, and I was like, whoa. Oh, oh man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and since then, I didn't ever really re-come out. I just switched my email signature to they, then theirs, and I put it on my Zoom screen. Since again, oh, virtual man. <laughs> Terrible. And... Everybody uses they, then theirs for me now yeah. with like some hiccups, but they've known me for a year using she, her, hers. And like, I allow for hiccups. Mm-hmm. They self-correct. Yeah. Like, it's okay. <laughs> and like corrections are encouraged. And yep. like, I think that that's one thing that can be really challenging in a lot of spaces, but especially in workspaces where you maybe as a gender expansive person don't feel comfortable correcting because you don't want to make make a big stink you don't want to like potentially put yourself in harm's way or like put yourself in a position to be fired or seen as like the annoying genderqueer person Mm -hmm. if I I know that there were times when I didn't feel comfortable correcting pronouns or correcting uh usage like gendered language because it was like I'm new here Mm -hmm. what if they're like paying lip service to wokeness and not actually being woke whereas your position your your organization Mm -hmm their whole thing is I mean I feel like woke is kind of <laughs> belittling, belittling of it but their whole thing is wokeness like right. their whole thing is equity I was on the diversity belonging inclusion equity council fellowship last year yeah. I'm hoping to be on it again this year if we do it with all the virtual nonsense like it it is the point and people and again because I want to be clear that, again, we didn't have very much genderqueer representation, but because we're already talking about intentional language, because we're already talking about isms, because we're already talking about microaggressions, because we're already talking about all of these things, there's a framework in this organization for me to be like, hey, like, I love intentional language around, like, not saying crazy, not saying insane for mental health reasons. I love some intentional language about not saying, like, you guys for misogyny reasons. Can I also offer that we should encourage people to use pronouns for this intentional language reason? And like that framework is there and everybody is on board with it. Mm -hmm. Or that we should use folks. I've had the incredible experience of watching one person, one beautiful, lovely, cisgendered woman who just, for whatever reason, happened to use folks because she was woke and amazing in all of her emails at the beginning of last year. And since then, I started using folks. With an X, I just realized that that's unclear. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna make a note that Elle and I have somehow managed to phonetically, in the way we say the word "folks," like I can't say it the other way anymore. Folks, folks, I say folks and folks are how I is how I say. I haven't heard folks out loud in a long time. Anyway, but this one staff member used folks with an X, and over the last year. And a couple of months, now everybody only addresses each other as folks with an X. Like, that's how, if we're addressing a group, that's how we address a group. And I think that that's just incredible. Yeah. (laughs) And again, based on this environment of having a framework for intentional language, having a framework for isms, having a framework for talking about identity, having a framework for intersectionality, and encouraging people to talk about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that that is incredibly powerful. Yeah, so I think that like my summary of being gender expansive in my workplace is even beyond like you deserve to be safe. Like there are in fact workplaces out there who make you more than safe, who can encourage you to continue diving deeper into your identity, 
who can encourage you and give you tools and give you language to even better be able to explain yourself. Yeah. Like, I feel like people's pie-in-the-sky dream can be, I would really love to be able to be out at work. And, like, I just want to let folk know (laughs) that, like, there are places that are even more inclusive than that. Not yeah. just, not only can you be your full self at work, but we're actually going to continue to give you language around how to be your full self at work and continue to give you opportunities to teach other people about yourself. I've done several sessions on like, what does gender fluidity mean? And like the first episode of this podcast with the gender spectrum, do y'all, if I had a dollar for every time I've run that at my organization, <laughs> I would be able to buy like probably a coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, which is... It's a solid number of times I've only worked here for a year and a couple months. Yeah. But like, because people want to learn more about different identities and want to understand more because we're having that conversation because it's an open conversation. So there are places that go beyond inclusion into equity that exists. If you're out here trying to make the world more equitable for other gender expansive people, there are workplaces that will encourage you and teach you how to do that. It's also valid if you're like, I actually would just like to be able to live my life as a gender expansive person. It's not my responsibility to educate others. Very incredibly valid and true. That's not my take on it. I want to continue to educate people and continue to educate myself on other identities. Mm -hmm. So if you're on my side of that spectrum, then like there are workplaces out there who will actively help you find more equitable language and start to learn and start to be able to educate other people on your identities while learning from those beautiful people about their identities yeah that is real and it exists and you can find it don't feel like it doesn't exist right and i think that one challenge is that for for completely stress-free i know that my voice will be heard about my gender i think you maybe have to kind of work in more equity-based spaces like you have to work in intentionally equitable spaces yeah but that doesn't mean that you can't find comfortable spaces that are maybe not intentionally equitable. Maybe they're not like having active conversations about the best way to address microaggressions. Mm-hmm. But there are places that are at least trying to not be microaggressive. Yeah, because there's a difference between like, I support you in doing whatever it is that you want to do. And I actively want to learn about who you are and what you bring to this table. And both of those are valid. You can just want to work somewhere where it's like, I don't need you to know my whole life story. I just want you to call me the right freaking pronouns. And then we can both go about our separate days. That's so valid. And that reminds me more of the Institute. Whereas mine is like, also, I should be clear at my work. You don't have to tell every single part of your entire identity. But it's, it's welcomed. And it is in some ways, I suppose, encouraged for you to bring like your fullest self and bring like really vulnerable pieces of you Mm -hmm. to work. And like, I love to hear from my leaders about like their unique struggles due to pieces of their identity and how society sees those pieces of their identity. And I love to share and explore my unique struggles based on how society sees my identities. Mm -hmm. So both of those are valid options. And both of them really do exist out in the world. You don't have to feel like the best you can achieve in a workplace as a gender expansive person is people not actively microaggressing against you and not being dicks. (laughs) And and for those of you listening that maybe are in a situation where the only place that you can find employment is also a place where it is not safe for you to be your full self, 
we see you. We know that that's challenging. We have both, I think, been in situations that are kind of like that. At least I know I have been in situations like that. I've seen people be in situations like that. I haven't been out as gender expansive for That's a true. But that I know that that is a challenging place to be. Mm-hmm. And just like, it's not a hopeless situation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be your entire permanent experience. Right. There is room for growth in your life and there are organizations that will love and accept your whole self and you know just sort of want to give you that little piece of positivity and something to look forward to yeah for sure yeah again we have to we have to stick signal books the doom and gloom in order to get the resources that we deserve but that doesn't mean that it is only the doom and gloom that exists there are queer positive workplaces they're out there they exist Mm -hmm. So that sounds like it's about it for this episode of Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. And until next time, just keep thinking about it. Yay! Music for Gender Journeys composed by Sonia Badash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash genderjourneys. We hope to hear from you soon.